Welcome to another podcast by InsideCarolina.com, the independent voice of UNC sports. Your home for Tar Heel football, basketball, and recruiting. This is John Sigley here with Don Callahan for the UNC football recruiting podcast. Don, the weather's kind of terrible outside, but that's not going to stop us from talking some UNC football recruiting. And to get this one started, we're kind of going to do this in in a little bit of a different format. We're going to try to make this a little bit more of just a back and forth conversation. So, you know, just to kind of get this one started off, Don, what do you feel like talking about? I think the, the, I guess the elephant in the room, is it? Or maybe it's a couple elephants in the room are the, the pair of commitments UNC added towards the end of last week, since our last time of you and I talking. The one we we kind of anticipated a little bit, you know, more or less. The other one, I don't want to say came out of nowhere, but I mean, I'll just ask you, I mean, when you saw that, you saw Inside Carolina report that Nick Fullwilder had verbally committed to North Carolina, what, what was your first thoughts on it? Well, I was actually a little bit surprised that he committed at this time. I thought that Carolina was his leader coming out of his visit, just given what he said. Carolina didn't really have that, like there wasn't that one particular school that I felt you could kind of steal him away. It wasn't like there was like an Alabama or an LSU or one of those just super traditional power schools that you, you kind of worry about. And, you know, they're the ones that the kid might wait until basically signing day to decide. But I was surprised that he went ahead and pulled the trigger now. I wasn't anticipating it. I mean, what were you hearing like from your sources? I mean, you posted the story at Inside Carolina that the visit did go well, but I didn't get the sense that really anyone was anticipating him to go ahead and just commit. Yeah, just to take a step back for those who haven't been following it, Nick is a defensive end out of Georgia, Sandy Creek High School to be exact. And, you know, Sandy Creek, uh, I would say almost every year has at least one or two Division One prospects. UNC actually had a commitment uh, from a kid, Corey Banks, for a while from Sandy Creek, and he, and he ended up flipping to South Carolina, or maybe it was somewhat of a mutual thing, but more or less was like kind of a flip to South Carolina a couple of weeks before signing day. But yeah, I mean, I had some of the similar feelings that you did. I felt like the most telling quote that he gave me post visit was that I asked him. You know, just from some of the things he was saying, I was getting a feel that the vibe that North Carolina might be his leader. And whenever you get that sort of feeling, you, you got to ask the question. And so I said, hey, you know, uh, would you classify North Carolina as your leader? And, and his response was, uh, I got to sleep on it. And so I, I thought that was kind of interesting. You know, you don't normally, I guess, hear that. But, you know, just as you said, you know, the, the teams that, that North Carolina was battling out for, he said that he, he still wanted to take official visits to uh, Vanderbilt and Arkansas. Obviously, you know, Arkansas is an, well, both of them are SEC teams, but Arkansas, their coaches are a little bit. They're a little bit know, higher. I say, yeah, they're a little bit higher in the hierarchy than Vanderbilt, but it's not quite on like that upper echelon. True, but also their coaches are a little bit on the hot seat with just their production you know, the last couple of years, you know, particularly this season. So, and then also he's, he has really, I mean, a lot of kids say academics, but really uh, I'd probably say 50% of them truly value academics as much as they lead on. So I felt like Vanderbilt was probably 
the bigger threat to North Carolina. So it hmm. was it was interesting to me that he still didn't take his official his other official visits because North Carolina was his, was his only one. So you know, but yeah, the timing of it was I don't want to say it was a surprise, but I thought he was still going to at least kind of wait a little bit longer, maybe take a couple more visits before he he did anything. Yeah, I mean, Vanderbilt, if he is in, interested in academics, if he's sincere in that, yeah, Vandy is a great school. So that's interesting, though, that just from a football perspective, that they could be considered a rival. I mean, personally, I would kind of not feel great if a football prospect chose Vanderbilt over Carolina. But, I mean, it happens. I'm sure it's happened at some point over the history. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, I wouldn't have been, I wouldn't have been surprised. I mean, you know, especially since he he's from Georgia, so he's in the heart of SEC country. If you want, if you're in Georgia, you want to stay in the SEC, but you want good academics, Vanderbilt is a good place to go. But obviously, he felt a lot more comfortable at North Carolina, and a lot of that had to do with the coaches and really valued North Carolina's academic reputation and yeah. just. I guess he felt, you know, and, and completely understandable, he felt in, like North Carolina's ceiling as far as a football program was higher than Vanderbilt's. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I would definitely agree with that assessment. Carolina blue shades off even. But <laughs> you mentioned his his program down there in Georgia. At Georgia, they go 1A through, what, 6A, is it? Is their classifications? Uh, you know, I... I... They changed it up recently, and I can't remember what what the change is. It might be 6A. Gotcha. Well, I mean, to I was kind of burying the lead there anyways. What I was going to ask is with it, with his high school, you mentioned that they routinely put out uh, very highly rated prospects that go and play Division One football. Are, do they play in that highest level? Do you know that off the top of your head? I don't know off the top of my head. I, I was just checking, and so um, they do go to 6A. Okay. Or yeah, six A. Or no, is that seven A? I'm sorry, seven A. Wow. Yeah, I don't know what level he is off the top of my or what level Sandy Creek is off the top of my head. They're really actually not having a very good year this year. I'm not sure if they made the playoffs. If they made the playoffs, they made it by the skin of their teeth. Oh man, don't tell me that. Just talk about <laughs> how good his program is, and I'm sure you know where I'm going with kind of the setup questions here. Georgia routinely is one of the top producing states in the entire country for college level athletes. So the fact that Nick does come from that state, to me, I count that as a pretty big positive. Even if he is a three star on scout, those are the type of guys that maybe can fly under the radar a little bit, but really have productive college careers. You've seen a lot more of his tape than I have. Does he give off that that vibe, you think, that, yeah, this is a kid that you could see really producing kind of down the, the line there? Yeah, I mean, I think he's a little bit of you kind of have to wait and see to see how he develops. You know, mm-hmm. the, the When I was watching his film, and I first watched his film, I guess, during the summer when he was planning a visit. He, he unofficially visited in early June. And that was just more to kind of get a feel of what type of player he was. But then I didn't truly kind of break it down until he committed. I broke down a few of his games. And, and I'm not saying he's on this level because this this player I'm about to mention was a four-star recruit who was one of the top recruits in North Carolina. Jalen Dalton is a guy that he kind of, that he kind of reminds me of a little bit. you know, Because Jalen was recruited as a defensive end 
you know, very athletic, but very raw. And he obviously at North Carolina has developed into a defensive tackle, kind of grown into that, you know, defensive tackle. And I wouldn't be surprised if that's the same path that Full Wilder ends up taking. He he might start out his career at defensive end, but then just as he's his body starts to develop, he starts to fill out. He I could see him definitely playing inside for North Carolina. Hmm. See, I didn't get the sense really from from his film that he might have the frame to play inside, but I can see him maybe being like on the pass rush specialty. I don't know what they call it. Now they used to call it the diesel package for a while. And I don't know what the coaching staff is using now, but I I could kind of see him as that. I don't know if necessarily if, if I mean, and you know, I'm not obviously a college coach or (laughs) the expert on, on recruiting, but I would wonder if he has the frame to really hold up, like especially against the run on early downs if he's going to move inside. Yeah, I mean, he's going to have to bulk up. But I mean, I think if you were to watch Jalen Dalton's senior and junior film, you probably would have the same sort of opinion of him. You you know, a lot of nobody ever was talking about him as a defensive tackle at all. And Jalen was way more athletic and and way more explosive than Full Wilder is. So, I mean, it's kind of interesting in hindsight to look back and see that that now Jalen is a, a defensive tackle. And before I, I hand it back to you, I d- did a little house cleaning here, and he plays Sandy Creek is in 4A in Georgia, and they did not make the playoffs. They finished 5-5 five and five this season. But it proves that you know even powerhouses in high school are prone to have mediocre seasons. Your Google skills are better than mine because I saw that, that, that they went 5-5. Five and five but I could not find their classification. So good job. (laughs) And that's a good point about Jalen because yeah, I saw him as a power speed rush edge, but he did put on the weight and to his credit, I mean, he has the the footwork. He has the hands too to be able to play inside. So, you know, if Nick can develop that as well, just the versatility is going to be big, I think for Carolina because they need, difference makers on that interior line it's you know it's a sore spot right now but when you lose guys like Aleem McNeil is that how he pronounces his first name yeah you know when you lose in-state defensive tackles like that you know it kind of hurts but Caroline does get a lot of production though out of the guys that the staff is able to get from states like Florida I mean look no further than Michael Carter this year for the production that they're getting out of him. And then I think that the staff has actually done a pretty good job with getting kids out of Georgia as well. Yeah, I mean, if you look at, you know, a guy who wasn't really all that highly recruited, but you know, Donnie Miles, well, he sustained an injury earlier in the season, but he's been a really good player for North Carolina, you know, has played higher than what his his recruiting ranking is. You know, he's a guy from football power in Georgia. So no, I absolutely agree. And then to kind of go ahead and wrap it up on Nick, the timing of his commitment is also very big because it allows the staff, in my mind, to spend even more time once the season is over with on the uncommitted prospects. The staff throughout the year, and you tell me if if you've gotten a sense of this that's different, but I've always kind of believed that Coach Fedora prefers to do his heavy lifting and recruiting over the summer, especially before the season starts, 
and then in January and February. So by having Nick commit now, theoretically, it should open up more time for them to get even more prospects and potentially find some hidden gems during that January, February window. I agree with what you're saying on that. And really, it's 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 the way recruiting in general has gone. Recruits obviously can't, well, they, they, I don't want to say they can't, but they just don't visit during the week. So you're kind of limited to when they visit for games. And when you visit for games, you're one of 100 recruits who are there you know, on campus, even if you officially visit and your visit obviously spans the 48 hours, the coaches spend a good chunk of that 48 hours focused on the game that, that they're, they're getting ready to play or, or they're playing or they're coaching in. So yeah. the preference in a, and I guess in a perfect world, and, and obviously we don't live in a perfect world, Fedora's preference is to host recruits on official visits after the season. So that will allow them to spend as much time as, as possible while they're on campus for their official visit. And we're going to take a quick commercial break. When we get back, we will be discussing Carolina's other commitment from last week. Some brands offer you low finance or cashback or servicing. Renault don't do ors. We do ands. The Renault Kajar with 1.91% APR and €1,000 cashback and three years servicing, saving you thousands. Renault, the brand with the ands. Visit your local Renault dealer. Finance is made under a higher purchase agreement. Terms and conditions apply. Deposit required. Subject to lending criteria. See Renault.ie. Then to go ahead and talk about the other recruit that Carolina did get the commitment from, I think that's the one that you alluded to where it was not that big of a surprise, at least you know, probably from the way that people could read the tea leaves, so to say, was Devin Lawrence, who committed on Friday after his high school game. Go ahead and give us real quick, Don, for maybe those that have not been following the podcast or you know, this may be their first time listening, give a little bit of background on on Devin. Well, Devin is a running back out of Wake Forest High School, which is, you know, talking about, we just got done talking about powerhouses. I mean, they're, they haven't lost a game in, in two seasons and are ranked as the top team, according to the Associated Press in North Carolina, in the highest classification in North Carolina and they have the highest, I believe they they should have received the highest seed for um, the playoff. I'd have to double check on that. I would assume so, since they undefeated. They had a big win that actually happened right before Devin had his announcement. But as you kind of alluded to, he probably could have made it a little bit more suspenseful. You, you look at it and you say, okay, a kid, he's visited North Carolina hundreds of times, but has never visited UCLA. He skipped out on his UCLA official visit. I think if he wanted to add a little bit more suspense to his decision, he should have probably left Clemson kind of in the finalist list because, you know, Clemson happens to be the school where his older brother, Dexter Lawrence, who if you're a college football fan, you should know who Dexter Lawrence is. I mean, but uh, as a recruit, he was a five star defensive tackle from the same high school, Wake Forest High School. And he was probably one of the, the most highly recruited prospects to come out of North Carolina in I'd say the, the last couple of decades, to be completely honest with you. And so he had, a, he had an announcement right after his, his game, like I said, and the most interesting thing with that was we are actually trying to, to stream it, but we're having so many different obstacles that we were coming up against as far as 
you know, Wi-Fi connection and, and just getting any sort of internet and everything like that. So it was, it was kind of, a, and then on top of that, even if we would have got the stream up, the way that he did it was basically, he just had all the fans, all the, all of his teammates kind of around him for the announcement. And he had a very, very unique, I guess, presentation, you know, or reveal for those who haven't watched it. I, I invite you to go and watch. We did actually film that and it's actually pretty unique. It's not your typical grab a hat off a table and put your put it over your head i mean he him and his family and and uh, wake forest high school did a did a really good job of being creative with the actual reveal what i mean what did you think of when without giving it away you know for those who haven't had a chance to watch it but what did you think when you watched the uh, the video yeah i mean the i was gonna tell you good tease there don't give the whole thing away but personally i didn't have a whole lot of suspense on it i was just kind of wondering you know, what they were going to do. And like you said, it was very unique. I really enjoyed it. You know, we talked about it a little bit in the podcast on the Monday of that week. So last Monday that it has happened before where a kid will commit to a school having never done his actual official visit. But I think the example that you used, I forgot the guy's name, but it was someone that was from North Carolina. Never Boyd. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, Boyd, who he never visited North Carolina officially, ended up selecting the the Tar Heels. But that's a different situation from where if Devin was going to commit to UCLA, a little bit of a different animal there. We're talking about Boyd, who grew up in North Carolina. He had the connection to the state. He had been to Carolina on unofficial visits. And then Devin to potentially go across the entire country to UCLA. I didn't see it happening personally and yeah yeah i don't think anybody really really did i mean i, I you know i i can't think of a, a great word for it but when a lot of people made the crystal ball entries right like the, the day before or, or the day of selecting north carolina it was just one of those kind of like duh i mean that's you know that's where he's going to pick you know yeah. but that goes back to i think that if he would have kept uh, Clemson as one of the finalists that would at least kind of been like all right well maybe he'll end up because he's visit Clemson a bunch too oh yeah yeah with his yeah with his five-star brother down there yeah, oh, yeah. He, he knows it so yes if, if Clemson was the other finalist or if he even was a list of three I would have been sweating Clemson a little bit but mm-hmm. So look, I mean Devin wanted to commit to Carolina he liked the the staff a lot but I was always very impressed with the fact that Devin is just that all-around back. I don't want to beat the dead horse because we've talked about Devin a ton on the podcast. But while he may not excel in anything, you talked with his coach, Reggie Lucas, and the words that he used to describe Lawrence, a tremendous all-around back. And to me... And that sums it up in basically three words or less right there. That's literally the description that I would use if I was trying to describe Devin. Yeah, I know. I absolutely agree with that. I mean, I, I think there's there's no one outstanding quality about Devin other than the one that I kind of, I guess, materialized for me when I was watching the game on Friday, because typically, you know, Wake Forest just steamrolls every competition. I've been watching, I go to a probably like two or three Wake Forest games a year just because of the talent that they've had for the past few years. This season alone, I've seen two games live in addition to the film I watch on them. 
And, you know, the game before, I mean, they just, they beat the snot out of the opponent. And I think their starters were out right after halftime. So, but, so this was interesting because it was the first time that I have seen in person another team take the lead on Wake Forest and then basically kind of have all the momentum because it was seven nothing heading into the second quarter. And what I thought was the most impressive thing was just Devin's determination because he actually, right after that touchdown that I mentioned, you know, to put Heritage up seven nothing, he returned the ensuing kickoff. I don't know exactly what the yardage was, but he re- he returned it to around midfield, maybe even into his own territory. And that kind of set the stage for Wake Forest to kind of grab back the momentum. And they actually scored, I believe it was three touchdowns in that second quarter. Devin had one of those touchdowns. It wasn't anything spectacular. It was a one-yard touchdown on a toss play. But there was there was one play where before... Wake Forest completely had the momentum where he actually carried a, and he's not a, he's not a big kid. He's uh, 5'11", 190 pounds is what he uh, checked in at, at the Nike Combine back in the spring. So, you know, you could say maybe he's added maybe 5 to 10 pounds since then, but he's still not a, not a big back. But, but he actually carried a defender for, for a couple yards to gain additional yards for his team. And, and those sort of things, while it's on the stat sheet, it's only a couple of yards, doesn't mean all that much. But when your teammates kind of see that, it, it energizes them. You know, it, it kind of makes you want to, you know, kind of play up to that level. It sets the bar high for your, for your teammates. So, you yeah. know, having a kid like that is pretty big. Well, and I got the sense, too. For those that want to read the full article, which I would strongly recommend, the comments that his coach had about Lawrence, I got the sense that Devin is also just one of the real leaders on that team and mm-hmm. is going to really go that extra mile to give his team the best opportunity that they can to win the game. Yeah, I mean, it just speaks to you know his heart, basically, you know, and that's something that you can't measure, you can't quantify with you know with a stopwatch or with a measuring stick, but it's something that every coach would tell you that they want within their their football players, absolutely. And like I said, you know, Devin's solid. I mean, his his numbers were pretty good coming out of Nike, good enough actually. I shouldn't say pretty good. I mean, they were they were they were great. Nothing flashy, nothing that just stood out, but they were good enough to get invited to the opening, which is a pretty big accomplishment. But yeah, I mean, that, that determination is is absolutely huge. I don't want to sound like we're blowing too much smoke here about Devin because I don't really see, though, that he's going to be able to come in as a true freshman and contribute. Mostly that's just due to his size. You mentioned that he's 190. He may be closer to 200 now, but he's just not a big back at this point. In Carolina's system... I think he's going to be asked to be more of a power back that Carolina has not had really in recent years. And so I envision him as having that red shirt year, getting into the college strength and conditioning program, really getting bigger, stronger, faster. And then maybe we'll see him as a red shirt sophomore, get a few touches. And then that red shirt junior year is where I think Devin can really start to produce for the Tar Heels. But I would say, though, a lot of that depends on North Carolina's running back depth chart because, you know, Mm -hmm. this this season, 
you know, with, because of the injuries, unexpected injuries, you know, UNC has really had to rely on Michael Carter a lot more than it probably envisioned a year ago. So, I mean, there's that too. I mean, you get a couple of injuries, then you're playing guys that you don't, you never intended on playing. So, so you never know. I think what's going to be interesting now, though, is, you know, North Carolina wants to sign at least one more running back. At one point, they were considering signing a third, but right now they're kind of leaning against that. So it's it's, it's probably going to just be two unless something unforeseen occurs. So North, now North Carolina can kind of sink his teeth in some of these some of these other guys that are pretty high on the board. Are any of those guys really kind of jump out at you from what you've read or what you've seen from them? Honestly, not a whole lot. There is the blanking on the name. I know that, that there's a three-star local kid that's in North Carolina that they're looking at. Let me see if I can pull up. You talk about the kid from Charlotte Catholic, Mylon Howard? Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Howard. Yeah. Yeah, and the now he could develop into a running back, but and he plays running back at his at his high school, the same high school that Elijah Hood played at. But North Carolina is now kind of evaluating him as a potential a back, and then they just feel like he's just a dynamic player, and you know that that means that he could get some reps in the backfield also. And I mean, really, you know, the whole idea of you bringing a kid who's you think he's an a back and he's going to play the slot. But, you know, T.J. Logan was a kid who was thought to be purely an A-back. And and I think for the majority of his, if not almost, I would say, 98% of his college career, he, he was a running back for North Carolina. Yeah, he definitely grew into that role. I mean, you know, there's there's the two four-star kids, Salahuddin and Letty Brown. But, you know, and, unless something breaks differently in their recruitments, I don't see Carolina landing either of them at this point. You know, obviously things could change, but I think if the staff is going to take someone, I would like to see them go after like a solid in-state kid that can develop and potentially contribute a little bit further down the road. But we shall see on that one. So we've already gone about 30 minutes into this, Don. Let's go ahead and start wrapping it up. What are some of the stories? I know that you posted a couple of ones on the board of, over the last day or two. So what's coming down the pipeline? Well, the the stories that I definitely feel like people should look into is, as you, you we kind of talked about a little bit, I, I thought the the comments from Devin Lawrence's coach were pretty telling, gave you a good idea of not only Devin as a player, but also North Carolina's recruitment of Devin. So I thought that was really interesting story. Nick Fullwilder. We have his Q and A, you know, after his his commitment. We ran a story Tuesday on Luke Tanuda, who's a kid that has visited North Carolina a couple of times and he actually said he has a top two and wants to take a couple of official visits before deciding. And then we also caught up with DeAndre Hollins, who's a kid that, you know, we talked about a couple, I guess it was a couple podcasts ago, Jace Reuter and just how we actually had him on. And we got to talk to Jace Reuter about how, about his confidence level and his chip on his shoulder. And DeAndre is, I don't want to say they're similar in that, but DeAndre has a lot of confidence, a lot of confidence. And it's not one of these, he just says things. It's one of those where when he says it, you can tell that he believes it. So he he touches on his season and and he had a, actually had a, a special visitor at his game this past week. He has pretty high expectations for the rest of his 
senior year. And he also updates on what's kind of going on with his recruitment, what visits he has coming up and that sort of thing. So I definitely would urge everybody to check those stories out. That sounds good, Don. We'll go ahead and wrap this one up then. Like we mentioned, to get the full scoop on those stories, check out the InsideCarolina.com Tar Pit Premium Message Board. Thanks a lot for coming on this one, Don. No problem. Thanks for listening to InsideCarolina.com, the independent voice of UNC sports. Your home for Tar Heel football, basketball, and recruiting.